Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Let's practice the rule of life. Just want to give you a moment of time for solitude and silence. Maybe for the first time during the week to quiet our hearts so that maybe we can hear the Lord call us and hear our name. Let's exhale all the automatic, anxious thoughts ruminating in our hearts and minds. Let's leave it at the feet of the Lord and inhale the presence of God, his peace. September 11th, Sarah Young, Jesus Calling. Rejoice in me always. No matter what is going on, you can rejoice in your love relationship with me. This is the secret of being content in all circumstances. So many people dream of the day when they will finally be happy, when they are out of debt, when their children are out of trouble, when they have more leisure time, and so on. While they daydream, their moments are trickling down into the ground like precious bombs spilling wastefully from overturned bottles. Fantasizing about their future happiness will never bring fulfillment because fantasy is unreality. Even though I'm invisible, I am far more real than the world you see around you. My reality is eternal and unchanging. Bring your moments to me and I will fill them with vibrant joy. Now, it's the time to rejoice in my presence. And all God's people pray. Amen. Right before our late leader, Stu Still, beautiful man, comes to preach the gospel, I want to congratulate X, Sushan, and Sarah for their engagement yesterday. Yes. Congratulations. We're twinning today, X. X thought he was proposing at the Brooklyn Bridge, but he was actually proposing at the Manhattan Bridge. He, he, he went to California for a couple of years, so he's confused. But congratulations. I thought that was a really cute story. So let's give them a hand one more time. We have a very high efficacy rate of marriages at our community. So bring all your friends. You never know. Never say never, Justin Bieber. No, okay. Secondly, uh, in that segue of cultural icons, uh, our own, one of our worship members, Anmin Lee, has been given the fellowship at the Marcy Boom Fellowship at Sony Pictures. Give my hand. Yes. They select four fellows, Sony Pictures selects four fellows a year, and it will be on mainstream news, as he'll, his name will be on, you know, a variety of news as one of those fellows with industry people getting mentored uh, by people in Sony Pictures, Columbia, Yale, and all, all that, all that, you know, prestigious stuff. Our celebrity now director is here, you know, so let's pray for him um, right now together and our couple for this good news today. And also the third news is, I forgot the third news, that's the last surprise. Min Young and Danny went into labor yesterday. Yes. Okay. Yes. There's so much good news, I, have that, I don't have that much time. Okay. 
But Father, we want to pray for the compounding joy in life in our community. We want to pray your favor on first steps in a marriage, in a new adventure, in a fellowship with Sony Pictures, and a new baby, Augie, that will be the greatest Asian golf player of all time. I claim it in Jesus' name. Now we welcome Stu to give us the message today. Let's give him a hand. Uh, how is everybody doing today? How many of you guys are still riding high from last week's retreat? Woo! Good times, right? Let's put those pictures up. So many good times that we had last week. I don't want to oversell it, but every single 180 retreat is always an amazing time. And last week was no different. Uh, I think some of us were playing Mahjong until about midnight or so before we finally tapped out and we couldn't eat anymore, we couldn't play anymore. And then the parents whose kids were all safely locked up in the hotel rooms came out and they were playing Taboo and Scategories till like 3 o'clock in the morning. They were showing us how to party. Um, it's always a great time at these retreats, um, but it's not just about the fellowship, it's not just about the food and the games and all of those good things, it's also about the spiritual formation. It's about the growth with one another and where God is calling us both individually and as a church. And last week's retreat was no different. For any of you guys that have not been to a 180 retreat, I can't stress it enough, you really gotta get to these things. You really gotta get there. So take a minute, Take out your cell phones, put it in for next Labor Day, next year. We're going to have another one. Make sure you're there. So at the retreat, Doc was talking about a lot of different things, a lot of really life-changing things. He talked about um, the expectations that we have in life, the things that we think are going to fulfill us, the rainbows that we chase that we think are going to make a big difference in our lives and yet end up leaving us just in a cycle of grief. And really, for me personally, it was really good to have that conversation, especially with my small group, to talk about the places where even I'm still chasing rainbows and realizing that it's not about those rainbows that we're chasing, but it's about changing those expectations of what it looks like to be fulfilled and to really flourish in life, and especially in Christ. And Doc also talked about the dreams that we have, the dreams where even in an imperfect world, even in a broken world, we can still dream that there will be good things in life. And he shared a lot of the dreams that we have for this church going into 2030, which seems like it's a long way away, but really it's right around the corner. And that in those dreams, it's not about us chasing rainbows again, but it's about us planting seeds to make a change in the world. And again, it always leads back to who Christ is and what he is doing in our lives. It's not about flourishing for our own sake, but it's about what it means to flourish in Christ. It's not about chasing rainbows and planting seeds just for ourselves, but for that next generation of believers, for the people that God is calling. And he also talked about the invitation that God has for each and every one of us, for us to take part in his work, in answering the call that he has for us, to make a different and a lasting impact on the world. And when we talk about things like the call, say it with me, the call. What does that even mean, right? That's probably like one of the first things you say to yourself, all right, so what are you talking about? What does the call mean? 
What does it look like? What does it sound like? How does this help me get ahead in life? Things like that. For those of you guys here that are what we call seekers, someone who is still investigating faith, someone who is still trying to learn about Jesus, maybe you have an even deeper question of, is this call thing something that's actually legit, or is this just how you connect the dots in your life and how you get a job and make it through life? And to be completely honest with you guys, these are very good questions. These are very important questions, and these are questions that really deserve to be looked at. So what I'm going to do today and what I'm going to have the chance to do over the next couple of times that I'm up here is we're going to talk about the call, what it means to be called, what it sounds like to be called, what it is and what it isn't. Because sometimes the word, the call, the idea of what the call is, it gets romanticized into something that it's not. And it looks different for every single person. The call for one person is not necessarily the call for another person. And it's just so much to get into that we really can't do it in one sitting. So we're going to do this over the course of a couple of sermons. But the one thing I want to start out with, just one thing I want to say to you guys is, and I'm reading it so that I make sure I get it right, because I usually screw up these things. God is reaching out to each and every one of us and calling us to something greater than ourselves. He's calling us to take part in his kingdom in a way that is unique to each and every one of us. Sounds pretty good, right? Sounds like something maybe we want to investigate, something we want to talk about. Let's see what this call is all about. And to do that, we're going to start with Samuel, who is this young child living at the temple, and he received a call that God had for his life. So we're going to go into this, but before we even go up to the scripture, just a little bit of backstory on Samuel. It all starts with Samuel's mother, who is childless. And as many people do in the Bible, when they are childless, they go to the temple and they pray. And they say, God, would you bless me with a child? Would you grant me this, this honor, this blessing? And for Samuel's mother, she made a bargain with God. She said, if you grant me this blessing, I will dedicate him to you. He will serve you all the days of his life. And as she's praying for this child, she meets a man named Eli, who is a priest at the temple. And he comes over and he blesses her and prays with her. And so God hears their prayer. God blesses Samuel's mother with him. In fact, the name Samuel means God has heard. Even his name is an acknowledgement of God hearing her prayer. And true to her word, when Samuel was old enough to survive on his own, not any older than maybe three to five years old, Samuel's mother brings him to the temple and says to Eli, here is the child that we prayed for. I am giving him to the Lord. Would you help him and raise him? And she leaves him there. And now his life is at the temple. Now, think about it for a second. Imagine for a second, you're about seven or eight years old. You've been living at a temple all your life. There's no other kids there, just a lot of older religious folks. Your parents come and visit you once a year because it does say that Samuel's mother would always visit him once a year and give him new clothing. And you guys thought you had it bad when you were a kid and you got socks for Christmas. Um, you would say, what the heck is going on here? You would want answers about this, right? And I have no doubt that when he would speak to his mother, when Samuel would speak to his mother, and when he would speak to Eli, they would speak to him about his history. They would speak to him about how your mother prayed for you, prayed that she would be blessed with you. And she said to God that if you bless me with this child, I will dedicate him to you. 
So Samuel already has an inkling. He's got that voice in his head about what his history is, about how he came to be in this world and why he's there at the temple, why he is learning from Eli how to minister to the Lord. And this is where we pick up on the scripture here. Starting out with verse 1, it's something to, to remember about this entire thing. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. That's something to put a pin on. Just remember that for the rest of this, um, this passage. And then we jump over to verse 4. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. So Samuel already has an inkling of what it's like to serve the Lord. He already has an inkling of what it means to be around God. But now he's actually being called by God. And it's an actual audible call. But he's not recognizing it right at first. The closest voice that he can figure it to be is Eli's because that is the familiar voice to him. That is the voice that has told him about who the Lord is and how he is to serve the Lord. So he's the one that he constantly runs to and he runs to him again and again and again as God is calling to him. And eventually Eli, who is more knowledgeable about who the Lord is, he catches wise to this. And then we look in verse seven. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went down and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. It took a familiar voice to Samuel to help him realize that God was calling out to him, for him to fully understand who was calling out to him, that it wasn't Eli, but it was actually the Lord. And a lot of times when God is calling us, he will do something similar. He will use familiar voices. He will use familiar themes, familiar recurring instances to kind of give us an inkling of what that call is for our lives. And sometimes it takes us going to people who are a little bit more in the know to help us navigate that call. And sometimes it just takes us opening our ears and really being willing to listen to that familiar voice of who God is and how he is calling us. When, <clears throat> when I think back to the call that God has had for my life and the progression that my life has taken, looking back at it in retrospect, honestly, I feel a very stupid because I should have been able to pick up on some of the notions a little bit sooner. Um, I don't know if you guys know Latin, but there's a phrase called non compass mendis. It means that you're not mentally comprehending. Maybe you guys know the more common word, nincompoop. I have felt like quite a nincompoop sometimes when I look back at that. But I don't feel bad because a lot of people, it takes a little while to get that call to understand what's going on. Maybe some of you guys here are not quite seeing the 
recurring themes and hearing the familiar voices. So I don't feel in bad company. But since I'm up here, let me share with you guys some of the things that I should have put two and two together on a little bit sooner. Um, most of you go, most of you guys know my story. Growing up Catholic, my dad was Anglican. He was studying to be a priest. So I had a, um, pretty decent understanding of faith growing up. And as you do when you are going to Catholic school and when you have even a moderately kind of religious family, you end up becoming an altar boy. So there I was in the fourth grade becoming an altar boy at my church in New Jersey, Our Lady of Fatima. And I don't know if you can get much more of a Catholic name than that. Um, but there I was serving in fourth grade. Eventually, we moved to Staten Island. I moved away from that church, but we would go back every now and again because they would have a summer festival. And I remember one year running into one of the priests that trained me to be an altar boy. And I remember running up to him. I was like, hey, I remember you. You trained me. And he kind of like, not brushed me off, but he was, must have been in the middle of something. He's like, yes, yes, remember, serve God always. And I remember saying, I will. I don't know why I just said it like that. There was no thought process in it. I just said, sure, I will. Should have been uh, clue number one. Again, moving to Staten Island, going to church there, being an altar boy there. Kids in my class know that. And of all the people that were serving as altar boys, they come up to me and say, Stewie, are you going to be a priest when you grow up? And I would push back and say, no, 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 no. I'm not, I don't want to be a priest when I grow up. I want to get married and I want to have kids. That's, that's my plan for my life. Hasn't quite worked out that way yet. But hey, God has got his plan and his timing and everything like that. But amen. Yes. Um, but again, should have put two and two together. Even going to college, doing all these stupid things that you do in college. I'll leave it nebulous as that. There I was at Larry Stakes off of City Line Avenue in Pennsylvania, ministering and trying to preach the gospel to one of the guys I was living with who was having a rough time. Didn't exactly catch, but nonetheless, there I was in the middle of the stupid things you do in college, trying to preach the gospel to this guy. So even a casual observer, just from these couple of things, you might say, hey, there's a kind of a theme going on here. There's kind of something familiar about all these things, right? But what did I say? Nincompoop. It wasn't until coming here to 180 Church, having a relationship with Dr. Sammy and Pastor Lydia and so many of the other people here that I started to hear the familiar voices of, hey, there's a theme in your life. There is some kind of recurring theme in your life. And even serving here, it wasn't so much about serving because, oh, that's what you're supposed to do, but it was growing from that relationship with God and learning to listen to God's voice about this is a call for your life to be part of the church, to be serving in the church. But even then, the extent of it, no, 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 I don't think so. Say it with me. Say it with me. Nincompoop. Nincompoop. But it's okay. God is very patient with us nincompoops. Thank God for that. It was at a 180 retreat. As I say, amazing things happen at these 180 retreats where Doc was teaching about the reluctant listeners, the people who are hearing God's call but not quite listening to it, not quite following through with it, not saying as Samuel did, speak for your servant is listening, that it really hit me and it broke me down. And I said, yes, Lord, I will follow. Speak for your servant is listening. It took a lot of familiar voices. It took a lot of familiar themes. And it took a lot of getting through my thick skull to actually finally hear the call that God had for my life. And this is the first thing that I think that we can learn from Samuel's story, if we can put this point up. The call often comes through familiar voices. 
It may be the voices of people that you're in relationship with. It may be the recurring familiar themes in your life that God is using to lead you towards the call that he has. Samuel, it was his pattern, uh, his history of where he came from, living at the temple, being in that close proximity to God. For me, it was the familiar voices of people around me saying, hey, this has been a theme in your life. And I think God is calling you to that, to even more. It was those familiar voices over and over again where finally I understood what that call was. Now, this isn't to say that when God calls you, it won't be a spectacular, you know, mind-blowing thing. There may be fireworks. You may have your Moses at the burning bush moment. But a lot of times, it's through those very simple, familiar voices saying something over and over to you, leading you through those familiar circumstances in your life. And what that call is, I can't exactly tell you. For some people, it may be to be a pastor or a preacher. There may be a day in a couple of years where one of you guys is up here giving a sermon. It may be that you are called to a missionary in Africa. Who knows? If those sound scary to you, don't worry. The call comes in a lot of different ways. We talked about it during announcements. We have a call to help out for techies, for people who can do web app development. It may be simply that God is calling you in the midst of your field to be a representative of him in that place. I can't tell you what exactly it is. All I can tell you is that God does have a call for your life, and he is inviting you to something bigger, to something that will change people's lives. So my question for you guys is, are you starting to hear those familiar voices? Are you starting to see those familiar patterns where God might be calling you to something bigger? For those of you guys who are seekers, who are still on the fence about faith, will you be open to the possibility that God may be calling you in something as simple and as small and as innocuous as just being open to who he is, to the fact that he knows you and loves you and wants to have a relationship with you? For those of you guys who are believers, i got to be a little bit more forthright with you guys. Are you being a nincompoop like I was? Are you ignoring those voices? Are you pushing away from those voices? What's holding you back from saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening? And as we go into small groups and as we leave here today, I hope that we have those conversations with people that are familiar to us, that know our story, that can maybe speak into our lives and say, hey, I'm starting to see a pattern. Maybe this is where God is calling you. It may be something small. It may be something grand. But it is something that is worthwhile. Now, again, I can't tell you specifically what the call is. Again, it may be something great. It may be something small. It may be something in progression. But I can tell you one thing that it is not. And unfortunately, you guys are not going to like this. But let's go down and let's talk about that. As we go into the next part of the passage, we see Samuel, and again, he's just been a helper in the temple. He's been the kid that's been making sure that the doors are opened on time. He's been sweeping up. He's been cleaning up. He's been making sure the lamps are lit. Something nice and simple and easy, right? A nice, easy call to just be a helper at the temple. But God has a bigger plan for him, and he speaks to him. And now, this is what you call a prophet, someone who hears God's voice 
and is called to speak God's words to other people. This is a heck of a pay raise. This is a heck of a bump up in status for Samuel. But it's not as simple as, now you just got promoted. There's a catch to it. And let's read through this part. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. That's a pretty hard word for God to give Eli. For God to give Samuel to give to Eli. And just a little bit of backstory about this. What God is speaking about is Eli's two sons, who are also priests. The long and short of it is they're scammers. They're using their position as priests to get the best choices of meat, the best things that are given as sacrifices to God, and they're taking their cut off the top. And that is offensive to God. Because God doesn't call us to positions just for our own benefit. And that's what these two sons were doing. But again, going back to Samuel, this is a big increase in responsibility from cleaning up to now speaking God's word and a very difficult word to someone who has been with with Samuel since the very beginning, probably his very first friend. This is a person who has been a mentor to Samuel. This is a person who has almost been like a father to Samuel. And Samuel is feeling the tension of this. And it's not a fun tension to deal with. We can see that in, I believe that's verse 15. Samuel laid down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Again, he goes to the familiar voice. And to his credit, even though it doesn't work out very well for Eli, Eli encourages Samuel to take the difficult step of following through with what God called him to do to say those words, to speak that prophecy over to him. It was a big increase in responsibility. It was a big increase in difficulty from just opening the doors and sweeping up the temple. But it was important. And Samuel would go on to be a very important part in Israel's history. He would be like the prophet of God to the people, the one who would hear God's voice and speak it to the people. He would be the one who would anoint the kings of Israel. If that's not important, I don't know what is. But it came at a cost. It came at a difficult increase in responsibility, something that was very, very hard. Um, The call God has for us, a lot of times, follows a similar path. It starts out as something small. starts out as something a little bit easy. And then slowly but surely, God increases that difficulty. He makes it a little bit harder, but a lot more important. And he calls us to follow through in that because it will make a lasting impression on the world. Again, last week, Doc talked about X. 
and uh, how he was out in California and how he felt God's call for him to come back to 180, to come back to New York City. And he was getting that call even though he wasn't quite getting the other call of a job. And yet, he was obedient and he was faithful to that. And it has worked out so far. How do you think, X? Pretty good so far? He, he tried to explain to me what exactly he does because now he does have a job and it's at Columbia Presbyterian and it's something like this much above a pediatrician, but I don't understand it. This is, this is why I didn't go into medicine. I don't understand this stuff, but it is an important thing and it's an awesome thing. But it's not just for the position. It's for the purpose of being a representative to Christ at Columbia Presbyterian and really ministering to the most innocent and the most vulnerable, you know, the children of the world. When I think about when God called me, me following through with the call that God had for me, it involved me going to seminary. And as a person who absolutely thought he was a terrible college student, that was not fun whatsoever. And I'm sure anybody here who's gone through grad school, you guys can sympathize with me. And there I am going through grad school and trying to hold down a full-time job at the same time. I remember one night, I, was, I had a uh, paper due at midnight, and there it was, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I still wasn't finished. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to take a two-hour nap. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to finish this paper. I did that. I woke up, finished the paper, sent it on its way, then got myself on the bus to go to work on like maybe two hours of sleep. That was probably a very bad idea. It was tough as all hell, but worth it. And I think about all of the guys who have helped out on staff over the years at this church. When we first started having service here in Manhattan, we didn't just have Manhattan. We also had Staten Island. So every Sunday, these guys would get up super early in the morning. They would lug all of the sound equipment down two flights of stairs, load it in the character van, which did not have air conditioning and only sometimes had working suspension, which is really, really terrifying. They would drive it into Manhattan, set up everything, do Sunday service, tear it all down, load it back into the van, book it back to Staten Island, catch a half hour of a power nap because, oh Lord, they were so tired. Then do it all over again, set up at fast break for Staten Island service, tear it down again, load all the stuff back up the stairs, and then finally, okay, it's all done. Now we can go play basketball. <laughs> Difficult, but important. And honestly, it's making a lasting impression to the people that are here today that were not here 10 years ago. Those that were serving, those that saw how important the call was, making a lasting impression through what they did, through answering the call. And this is the thing that I think we can learn next from Samuel's call. Let's put this point up. The call invites us to something important, but not necessarily easy. God gives us a call and it's not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be a cushy position because God doesn't call us to a position. He calls us to a purpose. He doesn't call us to be this in this location just so we can have a really good job, but he calls us to a spot where we are called to make a difference. And yes, a lot of times it will be difficult. And if that scares you a little bit, that's okay. Don't worry about it because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. As you say, God, I will follow you. He will grow you and he will teach you and he will make you ready for that next step of the call.
And again, like I said earlier on, there are a lot of different ways that we can think about the call and we can think, oh, is this just my job? Is this just something where I connect the dots and make sense of my life? Let me tell you guys something. If it was just about making the dots connect and make sense and just leaving it at that, I would not be up here right now because I am always terrified of coming up here and speaking. I would much rather be in the back with Jeff and Nancy who are working the computers back there because that is so much easier and safer. But that's not what God called me to. God called me to be up here. At least I hope he did. Seems to be working out so far. What do you guys think? Anyway, that's what God called me to. That's the call where I'm saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And even though it's difficult, even though it's hard, it's important. So my question for you guys is, where is God calling you to something difficult but important? You know, what was the, that movie, Gladiator? There was one phrase that uh, Maximus said, what we do in life echoes in eternity, right? What are the things that God is calling you to do in life, no matter how hard, that will echo in eternity in the lives of those who will come to know Christ through you? That is my question for you guys today. So if you guys can stand with me today, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the call that you have for us. Whatever it may be, no matter how great, no matter how small, no matter how difficult it may be, I thank you that you are patient with us as we navigate those familiar voices those circumstances that you've put us in that lead us to that call you have for us. I pray, God, that the men and women that are here today would come to know your voice, would come to know the call that you have for them, and they would say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I pray that you would bless that in Jesus' name. Amen. So this enigma, the idea of calling someone like X, neonatal medicine, dealing with newborns. So you don't want to, if you want to have babies, you don't want to see him. But X is calling in, in multiple physicians in our church in emergency or oncology. I love what our doctors in our church don't consider them med medicine they're calling because it's their job. Literally, they want to leave their job at the end of the day. Because their calling is to be, is to walk with God. The whole idea of calling is from Jesus. Tell someone next to you, from Jesus to Jesus. Calling is an invitation to walk with God. And the byproduct of that walk and that fellowship ends, the byproduct is ministry, where we pray for someone and something happens where we speak a word he gives us but calling is to represent Jesus your walk with Jesus to other people so technically a doctor could be preaching and we believe in a gift based New Testament for framework of ministry um, the person playing music could be doing many different things in their lives they're not necessarily called to play music or, or worship, per se. It's out of the fellowship you have with Jesus. 
And a lot of times in, in the early years of our ministry, people asked me, we were so good at getting people to do more work. Like, people are like, I want to quit medicine and do ministry. I'm like, dude, if you quit min- medicine and do ministry, who's going to pay the bills? Stay in medicine. It'll pay off in 10 years. And it did. What we need is to remember that calling starts with your relationship with Jesus. From Jesus to Jesus. That means you're all called to ministry. You're all called right now. And the degree of the power that shows up in your life will simply be directly proportional to the amount of surrender you give Jesus. And he will begin to lead your life and the beautiful expressions that will result when you surrender. The degree of that surrender result in life change. Like Stu. Which after the retreat, after speaking three times in a row, I almost died. So needed it. I slept for three days in a row. But see, that's the body of Christ. It's not one person that does everything. Right? So today, let's reframe our calling together. Will you lift your hands with me to the Lord? And say, Jesus, I for the seekers, like, uh, well, Jesus, I'm beginning my relationship. I'm even trying to access the fact that you might explore the fact you may be real or not. Well, that's good, because if you thought Jesus was real before really knowing he was, then you're crazy. That's called exploration. That's called seeking. Now, for believers, don't buy into the capitalistic lie that a high status occupation is God's calling for you. Because that's a calling really to prosperity. Not a calling to Jesus, from Jesus. So will you say to the Lord as we sing this and make this our prayer, God, I'm open to my relationship with you. Will you strengthen my relationship with you? Will you begin to lead my life? And the expression of that fellowship lead to ministry that changes and leaves a lasting impact. Let's pray that together right now.
Father, today, we thank you that you reduced this romanticizing, this idea of calling to a spiritual giant, or doing even spiritual things. Calling is an invitation to walk with Jesus every day like the disciples. And out of that relationship, the presence of Jesus, as the body says, the aroma with being with Christ, the actual Greek word would be B.O. You're so close to Jesus that you can smell his B.O. And that B.O. translates to other people. They can smell Christ in a good way, though. You know what I'm saying? That is calling. Just like if people drink too much liquor and they came from the club last night at 4 a.m., you could smell the liquor. Saying, be that close in proximity to Christ in your walk with God so that the outpouring of your life is Jesus in his presence. That's calling. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. God shalom. Go in peace. Hi, everyone. Happy Sunday. So glad to see you all here. My name is Haley. And I'm a member here at 180 Church, and I will be sharing some community news with you. First off, let's talk about tithes and offering. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you continue to keep God at the center of your finances and to tithe faithfully, which you can do using Venmo, Zelle, Chase QuickPay, or PayPal. If you're a visitor here with us today, we welcome you to our service, and there's no financial obligation to give. But if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so with the methods above. Next, we have Bible Reading Group. We have an Instagram handle and a Tumblr page at 180BRG, where you can join us at any time to read the Bible. Feel free to follow along and feed your soul with the Word of God. Amen. Next, there are devotionals on sale at the 180 Cafe. They're great to help you get in the habit of praying and connecting with God every day. Sometimes I find it hard to find, form the words to pray, but these devotionals have been so helpful and inspirational. They're available at the 180 Cafe and it's an honor system. So you can purchase them via Venmo or QuickPay. Speaking of prayers, we have our prayer hotline. We invite you to use this resource to ask for prayer for anything or anyone in your life and it's completely confidential. You can text 5397-PRAYER or email prayer at 180church.tv and know that there will be a team praying for you on the other end. Prayers are so powerful and I can't tell you how many times my prayers were heard and answered. So I want to encourage you to get out there and pray and ask for prayer for where two or three are gathered in his name, God is with them. Yes. So let's talk about social media. There, these are the ways you can stay connected with us throughout the week. We have several media outlets from Facebook to Instagram to Dr. Sammy's Twitter page and even our YouTube page. We are very active on social media and there are multiple ways to share the message with your friends and family and also stay connected in the community. 
Let's not forget about our YouTube live stream. We know that things pop up and it's not always possible to physically attend Sunday service, but not to worry because Sunday service is being live streamed weekly on YouTube, so you never have to miss another service. So say hello to the YouTube viewers. Hello. And it's also a great way to share the gospel with friends and family. Next up is small groups. Small groups are a great way to process what you heard on Sundays with brothers and sisters along the journey of faith. We know that no one is meant to do faith alone and small groups have been an amazing way to know that we are in this together. It's also a great way to um, get to know each other, grow deeper in, with, in relationship with each other and reflect and apply sermons to our daily lives. And honestly, it's so much fun. I look forward to it every week to meet with the group and you know, we just have fun doing life together. So that's great. Um, adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. College Fellowship meets on Mondays at 7.30. And if you need any additional info, please speak to any of the greeters in 180 shirts or hoodies. Now, this is the exciting one. Are you, are you guys ready? Okay, I, I want to introduce 180 merch, okay? I know, you've been all waiting for this. It's not exclusive anymore. You can purchase your 180 merch at the 180 Cafe. There's a variety of tops in different fabulous colors, all donning the stylish 180 um, emblem and other cool designs. Like some of them have like cool designs on the back. Not mine, but others. Um, so you can get one of those. Uh, after service, you can head straight to the 180 Cafe to purchase your new 180 shirt, hoodie, or sweatshirt and they can be purchased with the same honor system as the devotionals. If you have any questions, you can speak to our merch designer, Andy, wherever he is. Oh, he's in the back, there he is, um, and he can help you. And I can't wait to twin with all of you once you purchase your merch. Okay, next we have Day in the Sun. Our next Day in the Sun will be on May 15th at 12.30 p.m. We will be meeting at the East Pintum in Central Park. So, be on the lookout for an email to RSVP. Let's pray for beautiful May weather and an awesome time of fellowship. Also, let's start thinking about the people in our lives who we can invite and share the good news with. Uh, now, for those of you with the heart to serve or feel like you're being led to serve, we have children's ministry. We need volunteers to serve, love, and teach our church's youngest members. They are really doing meaningful and soul-filling work there. My children are learning that they are God's treasures, like I told you last time. And also, my daughter always gets super excited for Sunday school. She says, oh, she loves Sunday school, so they're having a good time there. Um, they are building relationships and growing up in this community feeling loved and known, and that's really special. So if you want to be friends with our community's littlest members and be loved by me and other parents, go see Michelle Kim or Pastor Lydia for more details. Next, we have cafe volunteers. Coffee brings me so much joy, and I know it brings you guys joy too. So you can share some joy by serving up a cup of coffee before service. No barista skills are required. So if you want to serve or impress people with your latte art, please see Danny O or Wendy Lee for more details. And lastly, we have greeting volunteers. Who doesn't love a friendly face when they walk in? I know everybody does. And if you want to be that friendly face that brings smiles and makes people feel welcomed, this is for you. If you're interested, please see Danny O or Wendy Lee for more details. Now those are all of our announcements we have today.